That's a growler. Do you feel like you took a wrong turn in life? Welcome to Morrow's Motivations, where we talk with people who educate, motivate, and captivate you with inspirational stories. Here's Dontrell. I'm excited to introduce my next guest, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. He is an organizational psychologist and a successful entrepreneur. He's the best-selling author of Willpower Doesn't Work and Personality Isn't Permanent. His blog is read by millions of people monthly, and he has been featured on Forbes, Fortune, CNBC, Cheddar, Big Think, and many other organizations. He adds priceless values to audiences around the world to help them break free from the shackles of what they perceive as permanent personality. He is a regular contributor to Inc. and Psychology Today and one of the most popular writers on Medium. He speaks and trains at a wide range of events. He and his wife, Lauren, adopted three children through the foster care system in February of 2018. And one month later, Lauren became pregnant with twins who were born in December of 2018. They currently reside in Orlando, Florida. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Hardy. How are you doing, my friend? Good. How are you, my good man? You're a good friend of mine. I've known you for 10 years or more. Yes. Yes, we have. It's such a wonderful thing. I have to admit, this is actually one of the interviews that I am most excited about because it's a it's a good reunion with a, a friend who I can say that we served in one of the most important works of, of existence, missionary work, serving um, the children of God out here in the world. And it helped us really to to grow in so many ways. And, and, you know, you look back at that time, and I don't know if you felt this way, but when I look back, I, I thought that things were so challenging in a lot of ways and difficult. And, and it's probably true that in a lot of ways they were, because we were on the tail end of the 2008 recession. And, you know, that was a big thing, you know, going on. And now looking right now when we're dealing with COVID-19 and just the ramifications of uh, a couple of months of that so far, um, it, it's just mind-blowing. And so, but the one thing that stayed constant and, and the one thing that I love is your obvious commitment to service and then also just being able to try to help people with your motivational messages through um, these uncertain times that we're in through these rough little challenges that we're going through. So, yeah, thank you, my friend, for taking time, I guess, in this quarantine uh, to come in and chat with me. I'm more than happy to be with you. I would rather be nowhere else than with Don Tromaro at this moment. Um, <laughs> one thing I recently heard, I heard this from, um, oh, what's his name? Who's the amazing investor from... Omaha, Nebraska. You got to know this. Come on, Don Trell. What's his name? Uh, let me look it up hmm. real quick. This is embarrassing. No, I, I'm, I'm drawing a oh, blank. Buffett. It's, my it's Buffett. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Um, what's his name? Sorry, I'm totally lost. You're okay. Here we go. What the heck is his name? Okay, Warren Buffett. Holy cow, that's oh, embarrassing. That was, Warren that was, Buffett. That yes. was pretty, that was ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot Warren Buffett's name. So anyways, one of the things <laughs> okay. that Warren Buffett recently said, which is super important, is he said, because people are asking him about the market and they're saying, you know, where's the market going to be in 10 months from now? 
And he's like, and Warren mm-hmm. Buffett said, I can't predict where the market's going to be in 10 months, in five weeks, in 10 days. He said, I can never predict it on any specific day. But he said, here's what I do know. In 20 years from now, I can say with absolute certainty that the market will be better than it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a good mindset. It's like, regardless of COVID-19, regardless of the 2008 crash, regardless of what's going to happen in four or five years from now, one thing we can be sure of is that generally and on average, in 20 years from now, the market's going to be better. And the market's not really what we're talking about, but like life can get better and better over time. It doesn't, it sh- you shouldn't judge it on how one day is going, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're right. Through each of these challenges, the one thing that you've been able to, uh, I believe, help individuals do is focus on your mindset and, and having that outlook of what things could and would be like if we come at it in a way of seeing things in a reality the way that they are. So for the listeners out there, so you've been able to go out and you got your doctorate as an organizational psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I saw one of the TED Talks that you did, and it it really stood out to me where you were really talking about just the power of how circumstance really shapes your will and your desire to accomplish great things, that it's not just something necessarily that you you start out with, and that it's something that you have to kind of let circumstance build you and, and test you to see what you're made of and what you can do. So personally for yourself, because I, I do want to talk about that because I, I found that absolutely fascinating. But what I want to ask you personally is for yourself, um, from the time that we had the opportunity to to meet and, and serve together in the church, what directed you to go down the path that you're at now? Like what personal examples did you have? <laughs> what went through in my your head life? <laughs> that led me yeah. to this crazy conclusion? Yeah. <laughs> like what, what, what personal examples did you have that navigated you down this path to your current career? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when it was while it was while we were there in Pittsburgh together, Don Trell. I mean, when I was having those experiences, I was writing in my journal a lot. I mean, I, I had stacks of journals. I mean, I wrote my journal for about an hour a day on my mission. Um, wow. And I wasn't a writer before that. I wasn't a journaler. But I took my mission very seriously. Like anyone who was my companion, like I was like, and, you know, but like also I'm not like a judgmental kind of guy. I just was like, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. And so... While I was, I read a lot of books, I actually got permission from our mission president, President Summerhays. He let me read mm-hmm. almost whatever I wanted because I was waking up early and reading during lunch breaks and reading at night. And like, so I got, I started reading a lot of books. I actually read a lot of Stephen Covey when I was on my mission. I read a lot of great books. I read a lot of, you know, mostly religious books, but I read a lot of personal development as well. And I was reading in my, and I was doing journaling and stuff. And I, it was on my mission that I decided I wanted to be a writer. I didn't know what kind of writer I was going to be. I thought maybe I'll go work for the church and write religious books. But then when I got home and said start, started studying psychology, I decided that I wanted to write more mainstream books. And then I'll, ultimately I got mentorships. And so it's been a process, you know, and I decided on my mission though that I wanted to write books. I just didn't know what form or fashion. And then mm-hmm. just through the process of educating myself and going through my education and looking at career options, I decided that I wanted to do it in more of a bigger form. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you knew then that you were going to do something in the world of literature, um, but you were just trying to navigate just what that would be because of how much you were learning and retaining at that time? Yeah. And I just loved it. I loved reading. I loved reading. And I was not a reader beforehand, but I loved reading stuff and just felt like I was growing so much in my mission. I loved writing. I loved writing in my journal. I mean, I wrote in my journal this morning. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, this seems like it 
it would be a great career. I didn't know if it was something I could do full time. I thought maybe I'd be like a religion teacher or professor or something like that. But ultimately, I ended up kind of going more business and and, uh, psychology. That's awesome. And so while you were in college, after the mission, did you, like, what steps did you take initially to kind of work towards the the writing, you know, specifically? I didn't really do too much specifically, to be honest with you, for quite a few years. And I got home in basically January of 2010. Mm -hmm. And, um... I just went to school. I was just focused on getting like knocking out the bachelor, learning as much as I could, getting married. And I was writing in my journal a lot and I was reading tons. I was reading like 40, 50 books a year and I was like really learning and stuff like that. But uh, I was not really taking active steps until we moved out to South Carolina in 2014. And then that's when I was like, okay, it's time for me to like really, now I'm in graduate school, I'm getting my PhD. Like it's time for me to really like start taking this thing seriously. And so I started learning the process of how to become a professional author. Okay, so so you moved out there and so you started doing that. Now you talk about something and, and correct me if I'm wrong in pronouncing it, but uh, the Pygmalion effect, mm-hmm. that was one thing I saw in your, in your TED talk. And you talked about it about, uh, saying that we are the product of situations. And I wanted to to know if you, you know, kind of like how you discovered that and how that played into your own story. I, I'm guessing learning that, you know, that term and, and, and what that means. Yeah, I mean, what the Pygmalion effect is, is that you rise or fall to the expectations or the demands of the situation. And uh, there's a good quote from William Durant. He's a, he's a famous historian, but he said basically that the ability of the average person could be doubled if the situation demanded it. And so, I mean, I've seen that. Like when I grew up, I mean, my parents got divorced and there was not very much parental expectation. So, I mean, I kind of plummeted my motivation. I didn't really do that much. Uh, I didn't barely graduate high school. There was no one telling me to go to school. Uh, When I decided to go on my mission, there was a much higher bar of expectation, you know? And so I really focused on being the best missionary I could be. Um, Mm You know, and ultimately you set you set your own expectations. I mean, that gets that's the key is that you get into situations where the expectations are above what you would typically hold yourself to. That's why they say marry above. You know, you marry up because you marry <laughs> you marry someone who has higher expectations for you than you have for yourself, so that you can grow into that. You know, when we became foster parents of three kids, all of a sudden I went from like having zero kids to having five or sorry, sorry, to having three. And uh, all of a sudden, like there was so much more required of me from one day to the next where like one day we were just me and my wife, just graduate students, just chilling and watching Netflix. The next day we've got these three kids that like demand all of our attention. So you have to rise to those situations uh, if you're committed to the purpose. And we were committed. That's why we put ourselves in that situation. And the situation forced us to become much different and much better than we would otherwise, you know, like there's a lot of things, you know, like for example, an arch, you know, what, what they say is if you want to strengthen an arch, you actually put more weight upon it so that like Mm -hmm. the the arch really becomes stronger. And uh, it's not by like removing pressure. It's by putting more pressure on that you strengthen and fortify the arch. And that's exactly how people are. Like people need challenge. They need difficulty to grow, you know, to give their life meaning and purpose. And so, Mm -hmm. I think that what my main point with that TED talk was is that people often think it's removing negative or challenging situations that makes you happy, but that's not what's going to make you happy. I agree. When I when I listened to your talk, it resonated with me because it reminded me of a very challenging time when I was going through graduate school because that was a time where it just 
it seemed like all the 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 challenges and the negativity that could have actually came to me came at that at that specific time. I mean, I had a troubled roommate at the time that was <laughs> doing drugs, which was stressful. <laughs> to come home to that situation, I was doing at least two to three internships, which is where I, I kind of learned a little bit about podcasting in one of those internships. I was working full time as an enrollment counselor for a school, and I was also doing full time school. And I was so stressed out. I was probably getting about three to four hours of sleep for at least eight months straight. If I it's hard to even remember when I think back to those times because I was just in like robot mode, I guess, just trying to get it done. But there were so many days, Ben, where I did not want to, I, I didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah, it, was, it, was it was just, it was literally hard and I didn't know if I could do it. There were some days where I thought, I just can't do it anymore. I don't know if I have the energy. But then when you talked about, you know, that, and I, and I had to write this down because you said you are never pre-qualified to do something amazing or to achieve big goals, it's the load that you are carrying that transform you and becomes your why. And for me, that is so true because my why at that time was obviously to to get through that challenge, to get the degree and to move on to, you know, better, you know, career opportunities. But you, re- I realized that that was the goal and that was the focus that got me through that. And the load of that was my motivation because I wanted to get out of that bad roommate situation. I wanted to stop working so many different jobs and just have one focus. And so when you teach this principle, what has something been that you said that, uh, that you would say that a load how does it really like manifest you? Like, what does your mindset have to be for that to really occur? Because there's a lot of people that go through stress and they feel like nothing happens. And if they didn't have that stress, things would be a lot better. Yeah. You have to have a purpose for it. You have to have a purpose for your life. If you don't have a purpose and a future, then the load becomes destructive. You have to have a future goal. And that future goal gives meaning to the load. It gives meaning to the suffering. It gives meaning to the challenge. And so, if you don't have a future and a purpose for doing it, then there's no reason to take on a load. Why would you do it? But if you have a future worth creating, and if you have a future self worth becoming, then that purpose gives your load perspective. It gives your load meaning and it gives your load, you know, it allows you to get through it in a powerful transformational way. So it's not just about taking on challenges for the sake of challenging. It's not, a, it's not about taking on suffering for the sake of suffering. It's it's about having a goal that's worth pursuing and taking on challenging situations that transform you into the type of person that can have your goals. You know, like I wanted to become a, a good person. I wanted to become a, a good father. And uh, just because I wanted that doesn't mean that's what I was. I was, you know, once we became parents of three kids out of nowhere, I realized how impatient I was, how rude and how judgmental and how easily frustrated I was. Like the situation really shined a highlight on on the weaknesses I didn't even know I had. You know, a lot of people think that they're good people, but then you put them in a situation where it's like, maybe you're not the kind of person you actually thought you were when the, when push comes to shove. And so like, I wanted attributes that I didn't have. And so we put ourselves in a situation, you know, and we became parents and that allowed us to become the type of people we wanted to be, but we we weren't yet. And it allowed us to have the type of life where we were focused on other people's needs. And we had a great family. And like, it's, you don't just get those things. You can't just think your way to having these things. You've got to want it. And then you've got to go through the extreme change process that gets you there. And that change process is something we call deliberate practice in psychology, but it's having a future goal and then going through the process of change to become that person. Uh, and you can't go through that process of change without a purpose. But if you have that process or if you have that purpose and that vision, you can go through almost anything. 
That's awesome. You know, I I remember times on the mission. Yeah, you had you had that purpose, and that allowed you to think about think about what you did, Mario, on your mission. You would not have been able to do any of that if you didn't have a purpose for doing it. Right. No, that's exactly. I what wouldn't I was... have done any of the stuff I did on my mission without that purpose. Mm-hmm. Especially during some of the tougher times, because you weren't always. Well, I, I I don't know about yourself, but I know I wasn't always with people that I immediately clicked with or got along with, and so it, it's true. Like a lot of those circumstances brought out things that it's like, wow, I didn't even know that that kind of thing annoyed me, or I didn't know like. You know, just different things like that. And I'm sure the same could be said undoubtedly about myself and that same area and criteria. But it's true. But the purpose was I was there to serve and I wanted to complete, you know, that 24 months. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I I, I did that. You know, I look back at that. And too. <laughs> I guarantee your life is so much better because you learned how to handle that situation, right? I learned how to handle it, but I also learned the importance, I think, then of mentorship because mm-hmm. I had a lot of leaders like our district leaders, zone leaders, mission president, you know, these people that were that were helpful and and motivating and saying, you know, or being that voice of reason and saying, you know, don't give up or what are you here for? Trying to make you remember the most important reasons of why you were doing something. That to me helped out um a lot. And one day I'd I'd hope to be a parent and you know, I've definitely thought about foster care and about adoption as well. But how did you, you said it's something that you have to kind of grow into, like you have to want it and then you have to to pursue it. So how how do you get yourself to be into the mindset of knowing something that you want, even when you may not clearly know it's something at that point that you do want, if that makes any sense? Here's, here's how it works. You have your current preferences, you have your current self, and your current preferences don't matter that much. What matters is your future self, the person you want to be. Who you want to be matters more than who you are. And so, you know, if you're someone who wants to be a husband and a father, if that's something that you really want, then you got to say, what kind of person do you need to be today in order to become that person? What your, your future self matters more than your current self. And so it may require courage, for example, to ask a girl on a date or to become someone who can be in a healthy relationship. That may be difficult in the moment. Mm-hmm. It may go against your current preferences to sit on the couch and relax or to avoid the courage of going and asking the girl on the date. Your current preferences in the moment don't matter, though, because your current preferences are just to like be at ease <laughs> or to avoid conflict or avoid uncertainty. What matters more is what your future self wants and who you want to be in the future, and you use that to determine what you do in the moment. And so... That's kind of the key is to decide who you really want to be in the future and use that as the basis for what you do today. And when you do that, then you can actually make progress towards your goals. Yes, that means you're going to have to face some fears. It means you're going to have to deal with uncertainty. It means you might have to face some disappointments. It means you're, but that's how you become flexible and confident as a person. So, I mean, that's, that's really the the key. And, and I think it, one other key element of all of this is to ask yourself, is the thing you want, the thing you should want, just because, just. Because just because you want something doesn't mean it's what you should want. You may want to go and go get drunk or go get high, you know, like, but just because you want something maybe doesn't mean you should want it. And maybe what would your future self want? Um, So I think it's good to question your goals and maybe say, could I have better goals? Is there something better I could or should pursue? But yeah, those are some thoughts. No, that's excellent. That's excellent. And that's, that's true. Just kind of 
always focusing on what you're feeling at the moment so that you know if it's something that's worth having or something that'll cause more more harm in the long run. Yeah, I mean, your your mo- your feelings in the present matter very little, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we call it psychological flexibility because sometimes in the moment you you don't want to do something. Sometimes, you know, as a missionary, sometimes you didn't want to go knock the door. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you didn't want to get out of bed. But your your feelings in the moment don't matter. Uh, what matters is the goal. What matters is the purpose. What matters is what you're trying to accomplish, and use that to determine what you do, not your present feelings. Um, you know, who do you really want to be? That's, and once you've decided who you want to be and you don't just make the decision once, you know, it's not like it's a final decision. It's just like, what are your goals for the next two to three years? Who do, who's the person you want to be in two to three years from now? Then, you know, you got to ask yourself how committed you are. One of the ways to increase your commitment is to start telling people about your goals. You know, just as an example, I remember when I was, when I got serious about dating and like, where I was like, okay, I'm ready to get married. I, I started going to therapy and I started to say, I'm ready to get married, you know? And like, it changed how I dated. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm now dating for the purpose of marrying. I'm not just dating so that I can hang out with girls. Like I'm, I, I'm now changing the reason I'm dating. And I'm now going to tell people, look, like I'm serious about getting married now. Like if that's not where you're at, like this may not work. Like I now became serious and honest and vocal about my goal. And then I started to get help getting out of my own way. I needed to find out why it wasn't working. You know, that's why I started going to therapy and realizing, oh, I need to get better at emotionally connecting. Like if I'm serious about this goal, there's certain things I need to change because in the past it hasn't really worked. And so like, once you get serious about a goal, then you get serious about becoming the type of person who can have that goal. And you start being open and honest that that's what you're trying to go for. And you stop hiding your goals. So those are some thoughts. That's excellent. How did you feel when you realized that you had achieved a lot of the personal goals that you set for yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. You never, I, I think you never really arrive. And so, I mean, I've achieved almost every goal that I've set to some degree. There's been many big failures and big blunders, but I've achieved a lot in my life and it doesn't make you feel any better as a person, to be honest with you. Like, uh, I think you always need a purpose. You all, you know, you never, you never get to a point where you've gotten to the point where you don't need a a future. The future is what gives your meaning present. And so it's nice to have achieved some things and it gives you more ability to keep going. But my focus is on the future. My focus is on where I'm trying to go. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy the present. I enjoy the heck out of the present, but I, I'm not giving up on the future just because I've achieved some things in my past. So, I mean, it does feel pretty, mm-hmm. pretty great. It builds your confidence, but I still have a purpose that goes to the end of my life and beyond my life, you know? And so I'll just keep mm-hmm. it. I'll just keep pursuing meaningful goals along the way and struggling and hopefully learning and hopefully helping people in better ways along the way. How important would you say is having confidence and in, in moving towards a goal and, and like just being able to keep yourself moving through each life stage? Confidence is essential. Courage is how you build confidence. So your whatever your goal is, your goal is above your current level of confidence. You know, like you've set the goal, which requires courage to achieve it. And as you pursue that goal and make progress, you'll start to build confidence that you can do it. So the more confidence you have, the more willing you will be to pursue goals. And so confidence is built by making progress. And so confidence is very important. (laughs) Like (laughs) confidence is essential. You wouldn't be doing this podcast if you didn't have some degree of confidence, but it took you courage and it even still maybe takes some courage, but that's how you build more and more confidence, which gives you more choices and options. Because if you don't have confidence, you're not going to try much. And Mm -hmm. so 
confidence is kind of the foundation for acting courageously in the future. I love that. Thank you so much. When you think about, and especially hearing a lot of how the world defines success, I know that that's different for each person, but what would you say would be an important characteristic for yourself? Like, how do you personally define success or that term success? Um, I mean, I'm going to define it differently every time you ask me the question because I'm always in a different place, you know, and but I think mostly it's about living and dying in a way that you believe you should. You know, we're all going to mm-hmm. live and we're all going to die. And so I think success is living the way you believe you should have uh, and, and doing the best you absolutely can to, to do what you were put here to do or to, to do what you believe you absolutely could have. I mean, that's kind of my definition of success. And, you know, it, when it comes to like situational success, I'll have it, you know, if you asked me that question a year ago, I'd have a different answer than I've got today. But mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, we're all going to live and we're all going to die. And so it's it's just doing what you can with the time you've got. What would be a legacy that you would want to leave for, you know, your loved ones, your your family, your friends? What would be something that you would hope they would remember you? Probably just, you know, a spiritual foundation, someone who loved God, was doing his best, someone who sought learning and sought sharing and just lived my life to the best I could. You know, I mean, I'm not really that worried about my own legacy, but I'm definitely worried about leaving my kids with something better than I've got, you know, better than I had to start with. And so I would love just to like leave them with less of a legacy and more of a foundation. You know, I want to build a foundation for them to build on. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not really worried about my own legacy as much as I want to build a foundation so that they can have a better situation and a better faith and a better hope and uh, more to work with than I had to work with. Absolutely. And that includes not only financial, but that mostly includes spiritual and in their own perspectives, their worldview, their identity, their faith, you know, their ideas. I mean, their situations. So, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. I just want to leave them with a higher set of principles and faith. What are some recent goals that you have that you're working towards right now currently? Like what are your, I guess, next three to six months goal? Three to six months? Or even maybe a year. (laughs) Like what is, what is something you've been planning for? Yeah. So, I mean, my 2020 goals are, I want to do this may sound weird, Don Trell, but I want to do 600 podcast interviews this year. <laughs> I want to sell a million copies of this book in 2020. You know, so this book comes out in June. I want to sell a million copies of this book. That's kind of my one major goal. I mean, I want to sell over 10 million copies of this book in the future, but in 2020, I would love to sell a million copies of this. And so obviously that goal shapes my process. And one of the ways that I'm going to try to attempt that is by going on to 600 podcasts. I'm going to write a lot of blog posts and stuff like that. But major one major goal is to sell a million copies of this because that, mm-hmm. that opens up a lot of other avenues. You know, if you ask me my two or three year goals, it'd be to sell 10 million copies of this. And I have no clue how I'm going to do that. It's a totally delusional, ridiculous goal, but I still believe I can accomplish it. So I'm going to try. But, you know, to answer your question, 2020, sell a million copies of that. Now, what's the name of the book that you have coming out in June? Like, yeah, help us know where we can find uh, your resources and, and write writing literature online. The book is called Personality Isn't Permanent. You can find it online. If you go to benjaminhardy.com, you can get three free online courses if you pre-order the book. So, yeah, just check out benjaminhardy.com. Awesome. You know what, Ben? Anytime you would like to come on and do a podcast interview, feel free. 
<laughs> I, I can definitely do my part into helping you complete that goal. And I'm so thankful again, uh, like I said, for your time today. And in all honesty, this is like one of the best reunions. I've had the pleasure of talking to one of our other mission brothers who I think you may remember, Jarrett Ward. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just great to be able to kind of see my Pittsburgh brothers in that sense. And definitely we will have a reunion in Pittsburgh in the coming years. <laughs> and we'll have to to definitely make sure that we all get together for that. I love it. Well, yeah, I hope we have a I hope we have a reunion at some point, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, man. Talk to you soon, brother. You're the best. Thank you for listening to Morrow's Motivational Podcast. Please join us again next time. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.